When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we are just days away from the start of the NHL regular season as the Sabres will be kicking off the 2023-24 season on Thursday against the New York Rangers. But first, it is time for yet another one of our annual episodes. And this time around, we're combining two episodes that we did previously into one. We are going to be talking about our league-wide predictions, five each. And on top of that, we are also going to be giving our divisional predictions as well. Very excited. We love doing this one every year, same as the Sabres one, but you will get our predictions. Again, all the divisions, where everyone's going to rank, who's making the playoffs, who's not, and then on top of that, we're giving you five NHL league-wide predictions. So, Taylor, let's start off with our predictions here, our five each. I would love for you to go first, my friend. All right. So here's an individual one. Connor McDavid will become the... Youngest player to reach a thousand points since Mario Lemieux. Yeah, baby. So basically what he, this needs, this is a huge, another huge season he needs to have. He's exactly 850, which means he needs another 150 point season. And that's going to be tough. People are out there saying, you know, last year they had the best power play in NHL history. And he played a ton of time on the power play and he had a great power play shooting percentage. And geez, Ryan Nugent Hopkins even had a hundred point season and he only had 153 points. He's only going to regress three points. Yes. Mm. Why? Uh, I think a couple of reasons. First, I think he's going to score more at even strength this year and counteract the fact that he'll be dropping off in the power play some, but also I don't know about them. I know the, the West sucks, but I think they will be like down to the wire a lot of the time, and who knows about Stuart Skinner? What if Stuart Skinner's not as good? Then all of a sudden you're fighting for a playoff spot against some of these bum franchises that they're in the West with. Someone I'm sure will be better than I thought, but like, look, they're in the Pacific. They're going to want to try to avoid, let's say, Vegas in the first round. They're to try to get one of the two, three slots, play LA for the third year in a row. Maybe they're going to be trying to go for the division. Either way, I think McDavid will have a lot to play for throughout the year. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he he continues to surprise so he went from being like the consistent best scorer of the league to 100 points in a shortened season to 150 points. So let's see. You know, last year was the first year he had that many goals. Is that an outlier or is he just a guy that's like, you know what? I know I can score 64 goals now. I want to do that again. So it's it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world, but I think he does it. And I was surprised that Yager didn't get there younger. 
he would that if he does this, he's going to get there like a whole year younger than Yager. You know, Yager also started at eighteen, so that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I like that one though. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, one hundred fifty points obviously is no easy task, but if there's any person on this earth that can do that it is Connor mcdavid so i like that one a lot what do you got for number two i have the calgary flames making the playoffs what everyone everyone seems to be out on and i get it they're a big disappointment and they're they've gotten worse but let me throw you a couple reasons why they might first of all they only missed by like three points last year they were way closer than i remembered i remember them sucking i mean like they dropped off like crazy because they were I think the two seed in 2022 and then last year they were like ninth, I guess, because they were just outside of the playoffs right behind Seattle. Here's the thing. I mean, Seattle was pretty fortunate last year when it came to shooting percentage and that went a long way for them. Calgary inexplicably is not giving up. They are not looking like they're going to rebuild. I don't know why I would be trying to do that. They're resigning like Michael Backlund They're They're going to try to make this thing work Two, Is Jacob Markstrom really going to be that bad again? He's pretty bad last year. I think he's a good goalie. I know he's getting older. Maybe that's just the end of it for him, but I think he's going to bounce back a little bit. Three new coach. It seemed like by the end of last season, they were re- really, really sick of Daryl Sutter's shit. Uh, and four, the West sucks. Someone's got to make the playoffs. We'll go over this more in the second half of the episode, but someone's got to make the playoffs. And why not them? I mean, compared to everyone else, they're a 90-point team last year. Shit, is it going to be Anaheim? Is it going to be the Blues? Who knows? But I think it's going to be Calgary as one of the last uh, playoff seeds. All right, I'm into that. I mean, I'm into that for you. I don't think Calgary's making the playoffs, admittedly. I just think that I I agree with everything that you said there. And I agree that, of course, the West is not in a very good place right now, generally speaking. But I'm I'm just looking and, I mean, at least in the Pacific, spoiler alert, I have them finishing fifth in the Pacific. Mm, Interesting. I I think fifth in the Pacific could still make the playoffs. But um, the other thing I would say about them, could Huberto and Kadri really be that non-productive again? I don't know. I I mean, I wouldn't think so, but... You also have to question Jacob Markstrom's recent inconsistency. Yeah, he inconsistent. So he was bad last year. Now he's going to be good. Okay. Well, That's how we'll science see. works. All right. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not sold on. Have they, they're still trying to figure out the whole Elias Lindholm situation too. Isn't he a UFA at the end of this year? A lot of guys are. They should be probably mm. trading a lot of guys that they are mm. not. I mean, they lost to Foley. But they, they trade to Foley last year. I always have problems remembering where to full. I know where he is now, but anyway, yeah, they, okay. uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think it's gonna be a good playoff team, but I think people are going to be surprised. Right. Uh, my third one, the Boston Bruins. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. They dropped by 40 points. Wow. Uh, so my prediction last year was that the two biggest drop-offs would be Florida and Calgary which I think I was right on both definitely on Florida. I think on Calgary too, but I don't know. Um, anyway, this is a bigger one than that. Florida. It was a huge deal that they dropped off. I think exactly 30 points, but hear me out here. The Bruins, if you run back their roster from last year, I think they had 134 points. They're in that range. If you run back their roster from last year, 
do they drop off by like 20 points if you just replay the season? Like mm. the numbers ahead are pretty gaudy. And like, you know, I don't want to sound like a hater here, but they didn't have like an all time good roster. They didn't like the best regular season besides them in recent years was the 2018, 19 lightning. That's an unbelievable roster with great goaltending. And also I got to say Vasilevsky, I would trust to hit more on him later, but he was someone at that point, I would trust a lot more to bounce back and have a similar season. Linus Allmark and Jerry Swimmon had like one of the best goalie seasons ever, like for a combined duo. And then at the same time you have like, you know, Bergeron still there, Marchand, all those guys. Like, I think they were a really good team like they were the year prior. I don't think they're really any better roster-wise than they were in uh, the year before and that year where they were close to a 110-point team. And I could see that happening again, like even if they you want to say they're more like a 115-point team. Sure. But then you have to deal with this. You're probably dealing with actual more regression than Allmark and Swimmin, but maybe they're both still good. Who knows? You're also dealing with Bergeron's not there. And Taylor Hall's not there, who, you know, was, uh, I don't know if you heard this during the playoffs. They have a MV, former MVP playing third line. Uh, and then you had Orlov's not there. Bertuzzi's gone. Krejci's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a lot of guys. Really, and that you wouldn't say like, oh my God, but what about their, uh, the guys they added? Because they added like Milan Lucic, Van Riemsdyk, and uh, man, someone else old that I'm not remembering right now. But it's not great. It, they didn't add like uh, any kind of world beaters. So it, to me, it's like the roster is significantly worse on top of that luck. And the, you know they do play. They played the tough division last year, but they still do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it's got to be a little bit of luck, a little bit of goaltending regression, and then a lot of Patrice Bergeron isn't there anymore. And that's the other thing. It's the biggest thing that can really cut you down in these situations is having one big weakness. So the big reason Florida regressed, even though they kind of upgraded with Matthew Kachuk is all of a sudden their defense they didn't have defensive depth and Spencer Knight was bad and it's like wow okay that really sorry Spencer Knight was gone Bobrovsky was bad that really was all of a sudden like kind of poked a hole in like you know it burst their bubble well having these four centers that the Bruins have right now that could easily burst their bubble so just to be clear they had 135 last year I'm saying they will have 95 points wow I mean, it's, it's definitely, that makes a lot of sense. They just had such an astronomical amount. And I think for me, you'll see in my uh, my rankings that I think that probably is about where they'll end up based on where I have them finishing within the division here. But the regression is going to be real. I, they're going to still be a competitive team, like you mentioned. Like they have rock solid goaltending. You still have Pasternak. You still have McAvoy. You still have Marshawn there. But man, oh man, there are some holes down the middle for the Boston Bruins. And ooh, I think that we're, as we've been saying, we've been talking about this for probably like two years now, that the day that Patrice Bergeron retires is the day that people are going to see just how impactful he really was to that team. Everyone knows how good Bergeron is, but him not being there, oh boy, is that going to open some eyes as, uh, you know, going towards the, the Bruins' woes. That is for sure. Absolutely. I also would note that, uh, when it comes to regression, I so the only player I don't, you know, when you have a great season, you naturally regress. Like, here's a great example. Austin Matthews, hard trophy season tonight, the season after. Like, he was way less of a goal scorer. Just kind of how it goes. Like, your best season, just by definition, you're probably getting a little bit of luck on top of being great. So then the year after that, you should probably be just great without the luck. Who knows? Maybe even with bad luck. Uh, like, just ask Huberto. But I think it should be noted that basically – 
that's the case for everyone except Connor McDavid. That's why I already mentioned McDavid. Pasternak, 60 goals last year. He could have a great season and have like 46 goals. And then boom, 14 goals are gone. It's it's yeah. uh it's a dangerous world out there for for a team that everything that went right, I think if things just go normal with obviously the guys they have missing, they're not all that special of a team. I don't disagree with a word of that. I really don't. Yeah. I, I think again, Bruins fans, I, I'm sure they know that the writing is on the wall here, but they're in a tough spot right now. And I'll tell you another thing about them too. Their pipeline. Mm-mm. That's I Not mean looking too good. Yeah. Looking forward. But first of all, it'd be funny if the Bruins just did what Florida did. <laughs> just they had like 95 points and they made the cup. But uh it's also funny, like they just if you look going forward, they have like no draft picks. Their pipeline already sucks. And they have one Stanley Cup final loss to show for it in this era, really. I mean, it depends how long you want to make the era because they won the cup 12 years ago, but pretty crazy. They also, they showed this graphic during the game last night or two nights, whatever the hell it was. When the Sabres and Bruins played in the preseason, uh, that the Sabres have the worst average point total of the past 10 years, if you can believe it, <laughs> even what? with last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Bruins have the best. And it's fascinating. Everyone else on the best side had, has won a cup. The it's uh, let's see what would that be the twenty thirteen fourteen through twenty two twenty three seasons I guess maybe twenty twelve thirteen I don't know I'm gonna do the math real quick but anyway it's it's uh, the the Bruins in that time it's like oh yeah I mean twenty twenty fourteen they won the President's Trophy second round loss they had those two near miss playoff losses then the first round loss twenty eighteen second round loss twenty nineteen. Uh, lost the cup, probably should have won the cup. And then it's like 20, 21, 20, 20, 21 second round losses, 22, and 23 first round losses. Had a little playoff disappointment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's enough about them, I guess. So here's another one. My fourth prediction. The Washington Capitals start to get viewed as the new Flyers. Oh, oh God, go on. Yeah. Well, the Flyers for a while there were kind of hanging on for dear life for the end of the Giroux era. Like, no, we're going to compete with Claude Giroux. And it almost looked like they were going to. I think the COVID year, was it? Yeah. The year where COVID happened during the season, and then they had to go do the bubble. The Flyers were, like, pretty close to being the one seed in the East. And then, you know, they get upset by the Islanders in the second round, and they come back, and it's like, oof, no, we actually suck. But they were like, no, 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 no. We're still going to be good. We can still make this work. Let's trade for Rasmus Ristolainen. Just a bunch of things like that that kept happening. Like this Carter Hart era is going to work. We're going to have a crossover era with Claude Giroux and Jacob Vorchuk and Carter Hart, and we're going to be good. And they just – they wouldn't let go of that. And then things got worse, and it's like, oh, we're bad. We don't have a lot of picks to show for it. We don't have a good prospect pool. We're old, and we're really not planning on doing anything about any of those things. And then they just decided to rebuild, which is a good move. Like this offseason is further proof that they're doing the right things in Philadelphia. So who's the new Flyers? Someone's got to be the new Flyers, I just decided. So let's say the Capitals. The Capitals were surprisingly bad last year. They dropped, I think, what did we decide in the recent episode? They dropped more than 20 points. And the second second half of the season was especially ugly. They had to dump both their goalies a couple years ago. They brought in Kemper to be better than those guys. And he was, he was even fine last year. They'd have a lot more to look forward to if they're like, Ooh, off year from Darcy Kemper, he'll be better next year. He's not going to be any better. He was fine. 
And it's like Ovechkin's not really that washed. Like, I mean, in terms of goal scoring, he had 40 something goals still last year, like 42 goals. So it's not like you're going to be like, oh, he's going to have way more goals next year. So what are you looking forward to? <laughs> like we, we went over, I don't remember what episode it is because we're pre-recording a bunch of these, but we went over what their roster looks like. And it's, it's not great. Yeah, it's currently bad, not trending towards bad. It's like Backstrom has his whole issue. We've talked about hip resurfacing. Um, that's that's a problem. And you have – besides that, it's like TJ Oshie, old. John Carlson, getting old. Strom? Kuznetsov, old. Kuznetsov, yeah, old and weirdly got bad before he was actually old. Strom? Mm-hmm. Like, their defense is terrible, abysmal. Guys you've never heard of on the second and third pairings. And their depth is bad. And frankly, I don't know if they have a good two-way player anywhere. But they, they can't rebuild because they got to be like, we got to pretend we're going to make the playoffs until Ovechkin breaks the goal record, which, by the way, won't be this year. No. It'll be, if he stays healthy, the end of next season. So you're, you're talking like late 2025, and then you can decide to rebuild. I mean, if he gets hurt, I don't know what the hell they're going to do, but he doesn't really get hurt, so it's probably not a thing. Well, the one thing I will say, though, is that at the very least, they do have a few interesting younger pieces there. I think relative to our our friends in Boston who are very much aging as well, at least Washington has guys like I just took Ryan Leonard eighth overall this year. Last year, what could end up being the steal of the 22 draft, Ivan Miroshchenko going 20th overall to them, and then they end up picking up Ryan Chesley at 37th overall last year too. Um, so, you know, the, and I believe Rasmus Sandin went there uh, last year and he ended up looking all right for them, getting some power play time there. So uh, there's like a couple of pieces there at least, but you're right that it's kind of going to be very rapidly getting to the point that uh, same with Boston, like the writing is on the wall here. I guess a little bit different with Boston because Boston is a better team overall, but like the writing is on the wall for Washington and more than a lot of other teams, even in a different, it's so tough because there's teams like across the league that you can look at and be like, yeah, you should probably rebuild, but nobody to the degree of Washington where it's due to the aging of the core. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. like a lot of other teams that need to rebuild right now already have begun the process of getting rid of some of the the older pieces on their team. St. Louis, we talked about, you know, they're a team absolutely that they they move O'Reilly, they move Tarasenko, Petrangelo has been gone for a couple of years. Like they're, I mean, they still have some older guys, like they just named Braden Chen captain and whatnot. But we kind of talked about the conversation of like, are you really building a franchise around the likes of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and, and those guys, like, is that, is that enough of a foundation for you to to build around? Those are a couple of great players. I think Thomas is going to end up being a really good player. He already is a really good player, but like continue to grow. But yeah, I mean, going back to Washington, I mm, would not want to be a fan of the capitals these days. Well, at least they have their cup. That's true. Um, All right. The last one, another individual one. And I was surprised to see this. I was looking at the kind of Vegas odds, like for individuals. And Connor Bedard, I'm taking the under on his goal total. It's 32 and a half. Uh, and I, I'm aware that scoring is really up and he's going to play a lot in the power play. 
and uh, he'll play a lot in general, and he's extremely talented. Where of all that? That's a lot of goals. It is. It is. For a guy that's not really – who's going to be setting him up? I mean, I guess Taylor Hall to some extent will be setting him up. That's It's not the worst guy in the world to play with. Uh, but, man, I feel like Chicago is going to be underwater a lot because their defense and, you know, it's <sighs> – what would be the first line? I think I, I saw this Bedard Hall and uh, I don't remember who else. Let's look at, yeah, let me pull up Chicago. Yeah, really quick it was here. not a bad first line, but it's like playing with two defensemen who suck a lot of the time. And you're always playing against the other team's best line. That'll be tough. The other thing is 18 year olds just don't score 33 goals in a season. Even back when, uh, you know, scoring was even higher than it is now. That wasn't a very common thing to come into the league at age 18 and score 33 goals. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are thinking right now, like, oh, who who's done it? Like, well, uh, not a lot of guys, because you're probably thinking, oh, 50 goal rookie season for Ovechkin. He was 20. Crosby, I don't think had quite that many. I think he had way more assists than goals. Um, so it's it's an incredibly rare thing. So I just I'm kind of betting on the fact that that's not realistic for an 18 year old. I mean, his point total might be his point totals in the 60s. That's a lot. But I'm looking at this now, like age 18 seasons. It's not a lot of guys play at 18, so it's not a great sample size. But like, man, it's like Dale Howarchuk had 45 goals when he was 18. Different time. He was a Hall of Famer and all that. Crosby at 39, so I was wrong about Crosby. He did. It's Howarchuk, Crosby, Iserman had 39, Jimmy Carson at 37. And I believe he was playing with – now it's before Wayne Gretzky was there. And then – Brian Bellows at 35, Bobby Carpenter at 32, Trevor Linton at 30. No one else did. You, you notice most of the guys I mentioned were from the 80s and or Sidney Crosby. Uh, I don't know. I think Bedard's going to be great. Great pick. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be like a – probably live up to the hype even. But, God, 33 goals in a rookie year. That's, that's a lot to that's a lot to expect from an 18-year-old. I'd actually bet – I would be more likely to put money on him having 50 in his third year than I would be him having 33 in his first. I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Well, anyway, all right, uh, cool. that's my predictions. Oh, that was all of them? Yeah, that was five. Love it, Taylor. Love it, love it, love it. All right, are you ready for, for my five? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off where you finish, and I'm going to say that Connor Bedard is going to be finishing in the top 40 of rookie scoring all time. So that would put him at having, I believe, 76 points. And you look at that list, it's no joke. There have only been six guys since 2000 who are on that list. And I think the thing is with Bedard, for me at least, Taylor, is that it's hard to compare him to other 18-year-olds because his shot is just so... I don't want to go as far to say generational, but he's like 18 years old and he's got the shot of Austin Matthews coming into the league right now. He wow. it's more than just it, it like it's it's his accuracy of his shooting. It is the way that he is able to angle the puck to disguise it in a way that fools goaltenders. I mean, like he literally has the Matthews drag shot down to a T here. So let me double check here. Yeah, for him to finish in the top 40, he would have to have 73 points, which it's a tall order, and like I said, there have only been six guys since 2000 who did. That would be Ovechkin at 106, Crosby had 102, Malkin had 85, Matthew Barzell had 85, Stastny had 78, 
and Panarin had 77. So you know what stands out to me there? What's that? Crosby's the only teenager. Wouldn't Barzell have been too? I thought Barzell was uh, in his third like post-draft season. Like he had two years before he was actually a rookie. Mm, let me double check here and we will see. I also think that might be his highest scoring season. I don't know. Uh, you are correct in that actually. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I just think going back to some of the things that you had even alluded to in yours, though, he's going to be playing on the first line. He's going to be getting first power, first line power play minutes. There's really not a whole lot else going on there in the form of of offensive threats. I mean, him and Hall on the first line, I think, will be at least interesting to see how they end up playing with each other. But he's going to have to shoulder a lot of the load there. And Chicago is not going to be good this year. So I think that he will be the lone bright spot for them. And again, Bedard top 40 rookie scoring of all time. So I'm going to say that he's going to have 73 points this year. That's uh, that's fair enough. I mean, he has a talent. It's it's very possible. That would be right on the edge of 33 goals. I would assume. Yeah, I would think how so. He has. All right. Let's, let's get a little weird with this next one. I'm going to have a prediction about the Arizona coyotes, Taylor. And I'm going to say that the Arizona coyotes are going to finish as the 10th worst team in the NHL this year which I think is a huge, huge improvement, huge improvement for them. I think they were the sixth worst team last year. They have been a perennial bottom five team pretty much as long as the Sabres have been bad here for the most part, with the exception of maybe the odd season here or there. But Arizona has been pretty much like it feels like intentionally tanking for the past like five years. However, I do think that they're going to start to turn things in the right direction this year. Logan Cooley coming into the mix and being – We'll see where he starts off if he does end up starting off as their 1C. But by the end of the year, I think he will be their unquestioned 1C. I think that Logan Cooley is going to end up being a Calder finalist this year. I really, really believe in him as a player. I think he is just overflowing with talent and is ultimately going to be the kind of guy that Arizona can really, really build around. In addition to that, they had a couple of veteran veterans that they brought in in the offseason that I think will ultimately you know, not move the needle insanely or anything like that, but will help them in the form of Matt Dumba on the blue line, Sean Dursey on the blue line, who was somebody that I thought would have been an interesting piece for the Sabres to potentially look into for some depth. Uh, And then Alex Kerfoot, which you have a veteran there in your middle six. I know obviously that didn't really work out with him in Toronto and he's kind of fallen off as a player a bit, but I still think with the added opportunity there that, Kerfoot can at least provide a little bit of something. In addition to that, you have Clayton Keller there who has just been steadily growing. Nick Schmaltz had a really good run last year, and you have some other really good young pieces there. Connor Geeky, Valamaki on the blue line. He took over a lot of those first power play minute, uh, the first power play unit for them last year after the Chekrin trade. So I'm going to say Arizona is going to be the 10th worst team. There will be nine teams that are worse than Arizona this year in the NHL. Your wow, thoughts? name them. <laughs> I'm going to name them right now because I actually think this is a good point, Brendan. I think the Coyotes would be like a 70-something point team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a decent goaltending. That's one of the big things. So Seemingly, yeah. seemingly, right? I would say uh, so. Yeah, like, okay, so like if they're worse than – I think what, San Jose, Anaheim. Yeah, San Jose. So I think San Jose, Anaheim are the obvious ones. Chicago is say, a for sure one. I oh, yeah. Billy and Columbus, that puts you at six. Montreal is seven. And then I think there's a bunch that are in contention. I Vancouver. What's that? Vancouver was going to be one. I was going to say maybe St. Louis, St. Louis only finished 10 points ahead of them last year. I don't know. That's a possibility. I'm 
also, I don't, I, I think that the bottom of, aside from Montreal, the bottom of the Atlantic is really interesting because I think Ottawa will finish ahead of them, but I think, spoiler, I think Ottawa is going to be second last in the division this year. I, yeah, I, I don't think that, from, yeah. I, I mean, the Islanders, I feel like, are Ilya Sorokin injury away from pretty firmly being in this conversation. I think you have well, to that's, about that, Washington too, potentially. Washington, yeah, I kind of think they'll be they'll right in the conversation. The Islanders, you mentioned that. I think the Islanders have that, you know, let's say Sorokin or Saros on Nashville uh, are just aren't great in a season. They could be pretty yep. bad. Things could fall apart. Here's the other one you didn't mention yet. Still out there. What if the Jets trade Hellebuck? Yep. Would that be pretty bad? I agree. I, so there's I a lot that, of there's a lot there. And I'm sure the Coyotes will not disappoint. Uh, definitely not. They never have let us down before. So all right. So the next two that I have are are kind of similar in terms of the setup of them. But the first one I'm gonna say is that the top three defensemen in scoring this year will be different from last year. I wanted to go as far as to say the top five, but I'll be honest, Rasmus Dahlin was fifth in scoring for defensemen, and I think that he's going to still be in the top five this year. But we'll go. We'll even go with the top four. The top four last year were Eric Carlson with 101 points, followed by Quinn Hughes, Josh Morrissey, and Dougie Hamilton. Quinn Hughes had 76, Morrissey had 76, and Hamilton had 74. I think Darlene is going to be in the top five. I think Darlene is going to be a point-per-game player this year, as I said in our Sabres predictions. So I'm going to move him up into 80. Cal McCarr only played 60 games last year, put up 66 points. I think he's going to be there. I think Adam Fox will end up making his way back up there. Heiskanen potentially. I mean, he finished sixth. So, and then even, I mean, Roman Yossi, he missed some time last year too. I know he's getting a little bit older, but he only played 67 games and put up 59 points after coming just shy of hundred points the year prior. So I think he'll also be in that conversation. So I'm going to say the top four are going to be completely different in scoring among defensemen in the NHL next year. That's interesting. I think that's very possible given how, aside from Carlson, there's a lot of guys that are relatively close to each other and a lot of really talented guys, you know, Carlson is going to drop off because he has to, but also not going to have quite the same leeway he had uh, in San Jose. So if he has a season where he has like 68 points at his age, great season. Yeah. Uh, but he won't be top three in that case, probably. And then it's like, what if it's just uh, McCarr, Fox and Darlene? That's not weird. That's a that's a very big possibility. So I, I see your point. I think that's a distinct possibility. All right. Well, let's go on to my next one here. Three new Vesna finalists, Taylor. Okay, remind me who they were. It was Allmark, Sorokin, and Hellebuck last year. Hellebuck, huh? Yeah, really? he was third. Yeah. Wow. And I remember Sorokin being second because I picked him. What's that? Uh, no, I, I remember Sorokin being second. But yeah, Hellebuck on a non-playoff team. That's uh... – or they were a playoff they team. They snuck in. Saying? Yeah, they snuck in. Oh, man, they were there for a few days or so, weren't they? They lost to Vegas. Yep, few days. Okay, that's but... why he that's that's why he got it then. All right. So last enough. year, last year also, we did our we did our awards predictions, and uh, I was very very off with my Vesna prediction. Double I... down. No, yeah, double down, folks. Thatcher Demko, you heard it here, folks. Vesna, no, 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 you heard it here first. Vesna, no, but I will say though, I wanted to get a little bit out of the box with who I think it'll be. If I said there's gonna be three different ones. Of those three, it's not going to be Andre Vezilevsky or Igor Shosturkin coming into the mix. I have UC Saros, not surprising, not as the winner, but as a finalist. Jake Ottinger, mm. 
And my third, Alex Georgiev. Wow. Listen, I'm going to, I kind of want to make a case here for why I think it could potentially be Georgiev. So looking back to last year, you know, Colorado, they ended up having a, a bit of a weird season after winning the cup. Of course, you know, you have a, an early playoff exit, not ideal, but they end up bringing in some reinforcements this year. Obviously, we talked about previously, I didn't love some of the contracts that they ended up bringing in. However, I think they did make some really solid moves there to end up supplementing the roster and to be able to fill the hole of not having Gabe Landeskog for the entire season. But let's talk a little bit about Georgia, because again, we had saw in years past, Darcy Kemper, elevated by that team, ended up being able to win a cup. Philip Grubauer, very clearly elevated by that team. Taylor, Alex Georgiev had a 919 save percentage last year. He sure did. He played 62 games. And That's had, a lot of games. He was 40 and 16 last season, 40, 16 and six. He had a really solid year for them. And I'm expecting that Colorado is going to end up winning their division. And I think it's going to be in part because he's going to be solid and goal for them again. And I think that if Colorado has like a bounce back kind of year where it's like, okay, this is like Colorado is back here. Like you have a healthy Kel McCarr all season. You're going to see continued growth out of Bowen Byram. You still have Devontae's there for at least another year. We'll see what ends up happening with his whole contract situation there. The forward group overall has improved, even though you don't have Gabe Landeskog. You didn't have him for the majority of last year either. So overall, that forward group, I think, has gotten better there. And I think that that's going to be enough that if Georgiev has a a similar year to last year, 40 wins, maybe a 920 save percentage, and Colorado ends up winning the division, I think that that's a very serious conversation that people are going to be having come springtime. Yeah, it's interesting. I think he could look even better potentially for Vesna voters because Colorado is already super injured again. I don't know how serious all of these injuries are, but they had like, you know, a training camp day where they had like nine guys out. And it's like yeah, th- this shit again, huh? And that's already like you mentioned with no Landeskog. So right. if a lot of these guys are out uh, all season, not all season, but like they have guys in and out all season, like they've been doing, especially if McKinnon ends up on that list and they win their division anyway. And he has like a nine high 20 something like 928 or something plays a lot of games he's gonna look really good for voters yeah that's kind of what the thought process was and then i'll just go quickly he only has to finish third only third exactly soros i think it's going to be a similar thing to hallibuck where he is going to literally drag them to at least respectability in nashville i i don't know i i really don't understand what nashville was doing in this offseason i think that they had some good moves and they had some that were real head scratchers that really just bringing in guys that I don't think really fit the timeline for them and where they're at right now. And then Ottinger, I'm among pretty much every competent NHL fan and being a believer in him and think that he's just going to continue to grow and flourish and is going to, you know, him and Heiskanen and Robertson and our boy, future hall of famer, Rupe Hints are going to be the ones that are going to be leading the core in Dallas and keep them as a perennial contender for, for quite a long time. I'll have thoughts on Dallas later. Okay, I like that. Was that your well, fourth prediction? Uh, no, that was number four, so I'm on to my last one here. And that would be that Taylor scoring, it's been going up. It has been looking real good as of late. 
We've been seeing some career years out of guys across the NHL, not just here in Buffalo. Obviously, McDavid had a ridiculous year last year with the 153 points. And last year, Taylor, there were five guys who scored 50 goals in the NHL. I am going to say that that number is going to double, and there will be 10 50-goal scorers next year. Tage. Tage. Tage is going to account for seven of them. (laughs) No, but... Let's go through. I mean, I you have the five that did it this year were McDavid, Pasternak, Rantanen, Drysdale, and Braden Point. I feel confident that all five of them can run it back. Tage, I think, does it. Jason Robertson, I think, also does it. McKinnon, he gets a full season. I think he also does it. So that puts you at eight there. Jack Hughes, he had 43 goals. I think he's just going to keep getting better, and I think that there's a chance that he can potentially do it. Ovechkin. He played 73 last year and ended up putting up 42 goals. I think that it's a real possibility maybe that he will because he's just going to continue to be relied upon in that key role for Washington there. Austin Matthews had a down year relative to what we're used to from him. He only had 40 goals last year in 74 games. I think he can do it. I think Matthew Kachuk can do it. So there's a ton of guys right there. I think Kirill Kaprizov is a possibility even. You can even wonder in LA, like their power play is about to get even better. Is Adrian Kempe going to be able to get there after having a couple of 40 goal seasons out there out West Timo Meyer having a full season playing on that first unit in New Jersey. Also with Jack Hughes, I think that's a real possibility there too. I mean, we'll see what happens and who knows, maybe there's some surprise ones that we don't even know about yet. What if like Tim Stutzel pops off? He had 90 points this year. What if he goes crazy? What if Elias Pettersson? Who knows? He's going to have to be dragging people around in Vancouver. That's a possibility there too. So I think that there's there's a very good chance that we could see 10 guys scoring 50 goals next year. And Taylor, that is the fifth of my predictions. Well, I like where you're coming from there. You did a similar one last year, but I think it was with 100 points it was. or something like that. Uh, I hope so, but I don't think so. I think basically all the guys you mentioned could get 50, but for various reasons, like at least three or four of them won't. Our uh, injuries, various things like that. So I I could see like seven though, maybe things keep going up. That'd be good. Uh, but we'll see this time next year or this time in April. Yeah. Or like, I mean, when do we usually do this? Like June or July? Anyway, I guess we'll see. Uh, so that's uh, that's that. So we, we'll get to the standings. But first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. The NFL season is going strong. Well, maybe not for the Bills so much after Sunday, but DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. So... A lot of exciting games that had happened today, this past Sunday, obviously an upsetting loss for the Bills in London there, but have to think that they're going to be bouncing back here, even though there's just been the worst injury luck these past couple of weeks, but we'll see what happens. But a lot of good games coming up. A lot of these playoff races are going to really start to come into view a little bit more and start shaping up. So going to be very exciting to get to follow along with those and placing all of those bets. So what are you going to do? You're going to get in on the game day greatness. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and and responsible gambling resources. And this podcast is also brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. And folks, we've been talking to you about Minky Day for a few weeks now and still excited Minky Boodle who doesn't love it but there is one change to announce the, the date and time are the same it's Saturday October 14th from noon to 4 p.m. Uh, but it's no longer at the Thin Man Brewery it is at Coles on Elmwood and the Coles patio which we're hearing a lot of good things about folks you're hearing more and more about Coles great spot one of the classic bars and in a, in a nice little location so, hey, Thin Man and Elmwood, that, you know, nice to have that back, even for just a few hours. Uh, and if you're interested in Minky Day, i tell you up front, you can get your tickets at thinmanbrewery.com, Eventbrite, or Thin Man's Linktree on Instagram. So wherever you're most comfortable with, tickets are $45, and that includes a built-in $5 donation to the Men Wear Pink campaign that raises money for the American Cancer Society's fight against breast cancer. Ticket. Includes what do you get with it? You get with your ticket is access to the event, exclusive access. No one can go without a ticket. You get a thin man glass. You get one seven ounce pour of each Minky Boodle variant. There's four variants this year. There's also live music from Obstab Dub System and Spooky Steven and Minky Boodle Mimosa Bar from noon to 1 p.m. and more. You're going to have to show up to find out what the end more is. So the participating breweries that each have one variant of Minky Boodle that you only be able to try at this event. Tripping Animals from Miami, Grimm from Brooklyn, RAR from Cambridge, Maryland, and Atrium from Louisville, Kentucky. So probably breweries that you're not going to be able to, to get beer from a lot. And they're each brewing their own take on Minky Boodle. So if you're a fan of Sours, a fan of Thin Man, a fan of beer, and a fan of Good Times, get your tickets to Minky Day right now. Anyway, folks, we're back. Uh the way we usually do it is we just do one division at a time. Yep. So you want me to just start with the Atlantic? You go first with the Atlantic and I will do mine after. Okay. So just so people know, I will not be here for the full season preview on Thursday. That'll be dropping on Thursday uh, for travel reasons. So I'll give a, a few more thoughts on the Sabres right here, but my Atlantic uh, number one, Toronto. I say that a lot. They haven't actually won the Atlantic. They only won their fake Canadian division. They haven't won the Atlantic uh, since it's become the Atlantic. So I think this is the year. Who's to say? I mean, it'd be very funny if they did it under Chill Living. I I think that was funny, at least. Still don't believe in them playoff-wise, but we'll see. Number two, Florida. I think two through like five, ah, a lot of these teams are kind of bunched up. I don't even think two through seven are that far apart. Regular season wise, I kind of believe in the Maple Leafs. I think they're a 110 point team probably again. Florida, Spencer Knight's back. 
Bobrovsky, I think he'll be at least okay. And they had like 92 points last year with all this stuff going wrong. Kachuk's so good. They're still good at scoring. Uh, maybe Ekblad's healthy. Mm. Uh, we'll see on that one. And in general, I kind of like Montour. I mean, the way they played in the playoffs was partially because Bavrovsky was hotter than he's going to be. But it's also, you know, they I think they kind of found their game more or less. And I think that doesn't mean they're going to win the cup. I think it means they're going to have close to 100 points, roughly 100 points. And they'll be second. Third, the Bruins. I already mentioned them. 95 points, I'm thinking. Okay. Roughly, you know, I already kind of went in on them. But, you know, they're still a good team. They still have Pasternak. They still have McAvoy. I almost said McCoy. They still have McAvoy. They still have a bunch of solid guys, and they still have a good coach, and they still have two goalies you should probably trust a little bit. So they're not they're not going they're not going to drop to like sixty. But they're not doing a ninety eight Marlins. I'll say it that way. Um, next, this is tough. I changed this today, and I'll get into the why right here. I'll just get into the Sabers part first. Sabers fourth. Uh. We've talked about this a bunch. I don't think the Sabres are that much better on a year-to-year basis, but given how Levi's looked, given that they drafted Benson and he's looked so good, and given that we still have so much reason for hope with Kulik and Savoy and, you know, Oslin and Rosen are out there, and there's just all these guys, and uh, Ryan Johnson signed, and all that reasons, I still feel great about the future. Sometimes I think about all the pieces the Sabres have and how fun, like, I mean, it's fun right now, but two years from now, it's going to be like, what are you going to do with all these guys? You almost have too many guys. It's a really great time to be a Sabres fan again. Excited for this season that we got going on. I will say that I don't think they're that much better. So I kind of still think they're in the wild card zone, unless Levi is unbelievable. In which case, hey, who knows? Sky's mm-hmm. the limit. But I see probably some regression shooting percentage-wise. And the fact that you already were guaranteed half a season of no Jack Quinn isn't good, but you should still see some improvement from guys like Cousins and Paterka, Quinn when he gets back, Owen Power, especially. Clifton should be an upgrade. Having Eric Johnson around is nice. You probably won't have to see Labushkin. Well, you won't have to see Labushkin. You'll see less of Jacob Bryson boobing around on the ice. So I have them fourth, and I have them as one of the wildcard teams. And that's great. That'd be a huge accomplishment. I think people thought more was going to happen this off season, but you know, we're still, I should t- taking the long view. There's a lot to be positive about here. There's still a lot to be concerned with, but at the wildcard level, every team has stuff to be concerned with, but get to the next team here. You'll get your full Sabres preview Thursday, Brendan and a special guest. Uh, Yet another. Yeah. The fifth place team. You might've noticed I haven't said this team yet. This recent Three-time consecutive, four-time overall conference champion, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Been consistently one of the best teams in the league. I've made a little bit of noise this offseason about how the Tampa Bay Lightning only had 98 points last year. How they kind of went out like punks to the bozo-ass Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Well, I was all ready to just say they're a playoff team again. They're good. They'll be in the same range. But folks, big, big news today. And by today, I mean two weeks earlier than you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, Andre Vasilevsky out eight to 10 weeks. Now, that in all likelihood means he's going to miss the first two months of the season is the easy way to think about it. He's going to miss roughly a third of the season, if that's the case. And that's uh, that's not nothing, folks. That's That's serious. So what does that actually mean? Well... It means that they're going to have to play a terrible goalie, but there's a lot of ways this would go up. This is why I'm kind of torn. And this is why they're fifth. They could have been still second. 
they could have been all the way down the seventh. I think using all these positive negative factors, I put them in the middle. That will not have this long of a rant about any other team. But here's the thing with them. They're great. They got a great coach. They still have Kucherov is still one of the most productive players in the league. Braden Point is too. Victor Hedman, who knows? He didn't have that great of a year last year. He could bounce back. They still have like Sergachev on defense and they have Steven Stamkos is still there and still productive. They have a lot of guys that you could still like. And yeah, all those guys were there last year too. And well, for the most part, most of them were healthy. Kind of should make you a little bit worried about where things are trending. Their depth is worse. No doubt about it. They had to get rid of Ross Colton. They had to get rid of Corey Perry. They had to re-sign Tanner Janot. They, in general, they've shed a lot of depth the past few years because they have to, because that's the nature of a hard cap league. Their goaltending depth is abysmal. You can't compare any. You can't compare their fourth line or their third pairing or anything to it. Their goaltending depth is a nightmare, and that has not mattered that much because they've been playing Vasilevsky sixty something games a year, and he's always been good. But they don't have that luxury anymore. And in fact, this is the year they don't even have Brian Elliott anymore to step in. Brian Elliott inconsistent, but he's okay. What you normally get out of a backup. They may be starting our old friend Jonas Johansson. Hmm. That's, I have a hard time thinking that that's what ends up happening. Same, but like their other options are even worse. They're guys that they sound like fake names to me. So it's like you're going to start one of these guys or you're going to trade for someone, but who's going to be available right now? It's Probably, not going to be. I mean, they're not going to be – due to the, the cap crunch, they're not going to be able to get anybody like considerably that good. It's going to have to be like a very, very cheap cap hit from a team that's more likely than not, like wanting to move a goalie and not really expecting to be competitive this year. And not expecting much in return because they don't have much to give in return. So Do I don't know. Say, can I like throw something crazy out here? Does, does Comrie or UPL make sense for them? Does it make sense to do that for a team when you could watch them drown and try to pass them in the standings? That's fair. That's a good point. I'd think I'd say a hundred percent. Yes. If they weren't in the division, but they are and. This is a big opportunity for the Sabres. So the way I'm looking at this, though, is they really – so like the second two-thirds of the season, if Vasilevsky comes back and he's healthy and most of the team's healthy and they're playing well, they could be on a 100-point pace for that second two-thirds. I don't see why not. Even Maybe even higher than a 100-point pace. But they'll still have that first third of the season to catch up from. Mm-hmm. And worst-case scenario, what if it's like uh, – I don't know. Let's say it's like 28 games. So 27 games, we'll be fair to them. That's kind of almost exactly a third of the season. What if it's like 27 games and they're like 6, 20, and 1? And that's going to sound crazy, oh, right? Taylor, they can I don't know, man. That's But like Jonas Johansson, you saw him here. I know he worked know. out in Colorado okay. But let me tell you the biggest thing that makes me confident in putting Tampa below Buffalo now. It makes me confident this first third of the season is going to be bad. I could be totally off about this, but in general, they have not been like other teams. They haven't been like Vegas, like Vasilevsky's out fine. They haven't been like the nineties devils. I'm calling both of those system goalies. So, you know, Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, Martin Brodeur, system goalies, obviously you can plug anyone in and they'd be fine in these systems. Similar guys. When Vasilevsky haven't been in, they haven't been good in that. Curtis McElhenney, Brian Elliott had one decent season and a bad one last year. Bad goal. Brian Elliott was bad. He was their backup. I should say Brian Elliott had two bad seasons and a decent one, if I'm not mistaken. They just, it's like Vasilevsky's in 925, backup's in like 890. It's not a system that just is really kind of goalies. Vasilevsky's just really good. So, yeah, I, you're going to be playing I, I almost, one of those similar guys. I do wonder if uh, I'm just trying to think of some names as like a possibility, like, 
if like a Capo Kakinen makes sense, for, or even maybe maybe they call Calgary about Dan Vladar. Would you do that if you were Calgary? Or like, is that like a rebuilding? I think it move? depends on what Tampa gives up there, but I I sure as hell would do it if I was Tampa. Well, I think if, if I'm Tampa, hundred percent. If but... Vladar goes to Tampa, that keeps their head above water for the foreseeable future until Vasilevsky gets back. I agree. Uh, I would say with that though, with Calgary, don't you want a lot for that? I mean, that's a guy I would want around. I mean, how much is he really going to be worth though? Because I, I think there's value there for sure, but. I mean, he's 26 right now, so you still have youth on your side there. He really hasn't been able to take the job from Markstrom, though, and he's had a lot of opportunities to do so. Yeah. That's, I guess, why I have a little bit of pause with that, but you're you're right. It does make sense that maybe they wouldn't be too keen on wanting to do that. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of other options. I mean, what, are they going to – again, we're recording this early. Are they going to claim, like, Spencer Martin from Vancouver or something like that? Like that's mm, not I mean, very, it, it doesn't maybe. really inspire a lot of confidence. No. The other do thing is, call, do they call Carolina? What about Carolina? Uh, I mean, yeah. Anti-Ranta. Yeah. But what do you have to give them? <laughs> it's a huge problem. You shouldn't guess you shouldn't have traded five draft picks for Tanner Janot. I guess that is very fair. I want, I, I now I'm really wondering about Carolina. Well, Ranta would it be in that case? Yeah, I mean, they, that would, that they, would they be gave Coach, they they gave Kochetkov a four year deal. Are you are you gonna put a guy on a one way deal like that in the minors? Like, no, you can't do that. If Anti Ranta is actually available and has been available trade wise this whole time, we're suplexing Kevin Adams. Some fans of a certain team are not going to be very happy. Kevin we are Adams suplexing. Yeah. Oh, come on guys. Uh, but yeah, I just think like, I don't actually think they're going to be six twenty and one, but what if they're like uh 500 and then they got to play with Vasilevsky, who, by the way, they only played with it. They had a 98 point pace last year. If they missed a, if Vasilevsky missed a third of the season last year and they didn't replace him with anyone, but Elliot, they would have missed the playoffs. Uh, but so I just think like they have a, if this was Tampa of a couple of years ago, I'd just say, oh, they'll, they'll be back and they'll be a wild card team or something like that. But I, it's they don't have as big of a margin for error anymore. So, yeah. So anyway, these ones will be quicker. Detroit six, but they're a good sixth. And I think they're they're right there. Like they're the, they're the best sixth place team. The Atlantic is such the best division. So so by so far is, is the best division in hockey right now. Ottawa seventh and Ottawa. I don't even think is bad. Ottawa's good. They got better than last year. But like it's they're in, we're in such a weird scenario where it's like, the teams that were five, six, seven last year, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, in, in different order, they all got better. The teams that were one through four all got worse. But how much are they meeting in the middle? Montreal is irrelevant to me right now. But yeah, Montreal eighth, if you were wondering. Um, but yeah, I'll, I think set, I could very easily have no trouble seeing seven of these teams making the playoffs uh, in the Atlantic. And But I have it as Buffalo and Tampa as the wild cards. So spoiler Oh, I only have three Metro teams in. So what does your Atlantic standings look like, Brandon? Relatively similar. I have Toronto winning the division. No surprise there, I think, especially now with Vasilevsky going down. And, and I'll be honest with you, prior to this news, I I had Tampa second. I thought that having a, a, a longer offseason that they've had in four years and being able to just like get the additional rest – you would kind of brought up the point before of like guys bouncing back and everything like that. 
there's no way that Tampa was just going to kind of just continue to circle the drain after the playoff performance that they had last year. So I have Toronto first, second. I also have the Florida Panthers, Florida cup run last year. I think we both agree that they underperformed in the regular season relative to how good their team actually was. So I think that they're going to be good. You hope Spencer Knight is going to be able to stick this year and is going to be able to have a good bounce back after the struggles that he was dealing with. Bobrovsky, obviously he has been able to really turn things around after a down year a couple years ago. So I got Florida second. Taylor, you know who I have in third? The Sabres? The Buffalo fucking Sabres, baby. I like it. I'm very nervous putting them here because of goaltending, first and foremost. I yeah, it just, obviously. It, it scares me. It, it scares me a lot. And I'm doing this as a way to counteract the skepticism I have about them this year. Because I will be honest, I have them in third right now because I'm trying to lean into the vibes and lean into the positivity. But I think it is just as likely that they finish sixth in the, in the division that they finish third. I think it is good division. It's a very good division and I'm, I'm nervous about it, but I ultimately think they have really good forward depth right now on this roster. And by that, I mean, they have a, they have about six legitimate scoring threats on this team that they would be able to spread throughout the lineup right now. And that could be even more if Benson ends up, getting the getting the call up to start the year obviously this is going to sound ridiculous because of the fact that we're recording this two weeks prior to the episode coming out but like i just feel as though the sabers have some legitimate offensive weapons and a a depth of those offensive weapons that not many other teams in the division have right now i think that tage is going to put up 50 this year i think that he's going to continue his his ascension that we've seen from him and he's going to be a 90 point guy again this year I think Dylan Cousins is going to take another step. And we talked about with him wanting to see the defensive side of his game getting round out. I think we're going to see that this year. You have Skinner and Tuck coming back, who I think are both going to have another couple of quality seasons between the two of them. Again, playing primarily with Tage Thompson on the first line. And then from there among the forward group, you have JJ Paterka, who you're hoping is going to take a big step. Jack Quinn is going to get back halfway through the year. And you're hoping that he's going to be an improved player from last year. You have Casey Middlestad, who ended up almost putting up 60 points last year and had a really good stretch run, and it feels like Don Granado is really learning how to maximize his game. You have potentially Peyton Krebs stepping into a bigger role there. And then, of course, on the defensive side of things, hopefully an improved Owen Power on the back end there. I think that his offensive ceiling is probably around like 40-ish points or so, so I don't know how much growth there really is there, especially with him getting limited power play time due to Darlene being on the first unit. But Darlene... I think Darlene is going to have another is going to have a career year. Last year was his career year. I think he's going to top that this year. You did help yourself in the form of adding some defensive depth. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if they do end up rolling with a Darlene Clifton pairing to start off the year. I think that that's something that intrigues me a bit because then that gives you more flexibility to utilize Matias Samuelson in different portions of the lineup, whether that's next to own power, or if you put him on the third unit, potentially with Eric Johnson, it, We'll see what happens there. I'm I'm a little curious to see how that's going to end up playing out. And ultimately, yeah, it's going to come down to goaltending. If Devin Levi is that dude, and if he is able to be a league average goalie, if this man can have like a 908 save percentage, I think with how good they are on the offensive th- side of things, 
how Granado is able to maximize these guys in the spots and is able to adjust and make adjustments as the season goes along. I'm going with the Buffalo Sabres third in the Atlantic division and breaking the playoff drought fourth Boston pains me to say it, but I think they're still going to be good enough for the reasons you had mentioned before. You have maybe the best goalie tandem in the NHL in the form of Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman there that I think is going to be even more crucial for them. I think we'll see some pretty significant regression obviously with them finishing fourth and in general with the goalies too. Like, I don't think, I think that was, you know, Allmark got his Vesna. I don't think he's going to get nominated ever again for the rest of his career, but good for him, man. Get your hardware. It's all good. You still have McAvoy. You still have Pasternak. You still have uh Marshawn there. You have good complimentary pieces that unfortunately are probably, unfortunately for them, I should say, are going to be playing up a bit from where they probably would on another team. But I'm not going to doubt the Bruins and I'm not going to say that the Bruins are dead until they're actually dead. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Tampa I have coming in next. I think the Vasilevsky news changes a lot. And I think because it's a back thing that just makes me really worried again, had Vasilevsky this not come out and he not have any injury issues going into the year. I thought Tampa pretty confidently was going to be the second seed coming out of the Atlantic, but this just, it, it casts a lot of doubt and they say it's an eight to 10 week recovery period. Again, we don't know how long it's going to be before he's back to full strength. Just because he's going to be able to get back on the ice doesn't mean that he's going to be 100% at that point. And so you really have to wonder what's going to happen there. And and again, I think that this very well could change. You know, we're recording this episode on September 28th. And if they end up making a move for a goalie, I think this changes drastically if they have somebody that can just, again, keep them afloat until Vasilevsky gets back. I still believe in Tampa. I believe in that roster. And I'm with you that I think that it's more likely than not that you'll see five teams coming out of the Atlantic division this year. But ugh, it, it just losing Vasilevsky, it just, it changes a lot for them. And I'm I'm curious to see how, the guys that you had mentioned before, the key cogs for Tampa are going to be able to carry the load in his absence. After that, not surprising. I have Detroit, Ottawa, Montreal rounding out the Atlantic. Nothing really yeah, much to say. You kind of covered everything with those teams. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty close to what I had. But uh, wow, the uh, the Tampa stuff really—it's interesting because we're recording this like two weeks before it's coming out. So we could be wrong about a lot. They could have a way better goalie by then. Who knows? I guess we'll see. I mean, these teams, you saw it last year with Washington and to a lesser extent Pittsburgh. Eventually you do have to be bad. Has to happen eventually. So sooner or later. Yeah. All right. Metro. You want me to go first this time? Sure. All right. Winning the Metro is our dear, sweet, wonderful Lindy Ruff and the New Jersey devils. I think that the devils, had their coming out party last year, but it's no secret anymore how good this team is. You're going to have a full season of Timo Meyer there. You're going to have Jack Hughes just continuing his ascent into stardom and becoming one of the premier players in the NHL. On the back end, Dougie Hamilton obviously had a really nice bounce back year for them last year, but you're also adding Luke Hughes into the mix this time around too. You have some of the other younger players coming up through the mix in the form of some of their depth forwards there. You have Nico Heischer, who is one of the premier two-way, young two-way players in the league right now. I'm a believer in New Jersey. I know there's questions in goal with Vanacek back there, but he was good enough last year. Oh, Taylor's showing off the Tony Soprano shirt. 
And uh, I, I think I think that Vanacek is going to be able to have a similar regular season to last year and keep this team as a competitive team. And New Jersey is good enough that they're going to be able to outscore any of those problems. Second, unsurprising, I have Carolina. They're pretty much running it back. Uh, I feel good about you know their approach, their team, their makeup, the way that Brendan Moore gets them to play. They're not exactly the most thrilling team out on the ice, but they win games. He knows how to coach them into winning games. He's he's able to manage games in tough situations, and ultimately they have a lot of star power there in the form of Aho. You're going to have Sveshnikov coming back this year, which I think is going to be big for them as well. Martin Nietzsche, like there's there's enough talent on that team that I'm not really worried about them having some kind of a descent. And I'll also say too, I think a pretty important piece of that is that they did not trade Brett Pesci, which I think is going to end up being good for them. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay on that roster beyond this year. And if they're looking at it as though, you know, we want to make a run with this, he gives us a better, we're better with him on the roster than without him. We'll see what ends up happening there. But I think having him in, in addition to some of those guys on the back end in the form of Slavin and you have obviously Brent Burns there. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but I believe in Carolina still, they will finish second. Third, I have the New York Rangers Rangers, Again, a similar team in terms of of running things back by and large. You know, you still have Panarin. You still have Zabinajad. You still have Adam Fox. You still have one of the best goalies in the world in Igor Shosturkin. I I really don't think that there's going to be much of a drop-off. You still have Chris Kreider. Like, New York is a talented team. They're a deep team. And if one of Lafreniere or Kako is able to pop off this year and really blow up for them, I think that there's a chance that they can potentially be a dangerous team in the playoffs, but we'll end up seeing there. Fourth, Pittsburgh Penguins. I think the Carlson move is ultimately going to be helpful for them, and I know that this is a team that now they have Kyle Dubas running the show over there. I I think that you know their direction and what they're going in and just trying to run it back with, with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and continuing to prolong their window, I think that they did do that. I think that Carlson is going to be able to still – quarterback that first unit and it's a better unit than what he had in san jose i still think there's going to be regression there i don't think he's going to be a 100 point guy but i think that playing on that first power play unit is going to be pretty lethal for the penguins and again a team of a bunch of savvy veterans i think in the in the form of what they have is going to end up allowing them to be able to have a a successful year still in that division, even if they aren't making the playoffs or if they're a a wild card team. But I think that the top three there are are pretty firmly locked in after Pittsburgh. I have the Islanders comes down to Sorokin pretty much They're the entirety of, of the Islanders existence at this point. I think that Sorokin has proven himself time and time again, to be one of the premier goalies in the NHL. You could, I think even, make an argument that Sorokin is the best goalie in the NHL, just looking at his play and relative to the roster that he has in front of him. But the Islanders, they really didn't do a whole lot this off season. That really impressed me. They made that big bull Horvat trade last year and they're an aging team that plays a really boring style. And I think that with some of the other teams around them really making strides to improve, I don't really see a path forward for the Islanders other than Ilya Sorokin dragging them there. Then we have Washington. I was kind of going back and forth here between Columbus and Washington, but I think it'll end up being Washington. I think that Washington will probably end up maybe in the area of like 85-ish points, I want to say. I think that they still have enough talent, as aging as they are, 
to be able to hang around and at least have, uh, you know, maybe a 500 kind of season, maybe a game or two over 500, potentially you still have Ovechkin there. You have, you know, the aging guys in Kuznetsov and Backstrom obviously looks different, but there's Oshi. You have Anthony Mantha there, Tom Wilson. They just signed to that huge deal. We talked about John Carlson a bunch recently too, that he's hopefully not going to be injured this year, which will give them an added boost. And you have Darcy Kemper in net with uh with Charlie Lindgren behind him, which is a pretty solid tandem there. But I ultimately don't think it's going to be enough relative to the division. Columbus. Columbus took some big swings this offseason. Provorov and Severson, they had a great draft and being able to pick up Adam Fantilli among a couple of other pieces. And I think that Columbus is going to be a team that I have them in second last now, but I think that they're going to jump over a few of these teams in the coming years, if not next year. I'm a I'm a believer in what's going on in Columbus right now, especially that they don't have Babcock anymore there. So I think that things are going to ultimately end up being on the up and up for Columbus, but I think it's one more year of being in the cellar and the next year is when they're going to really take off. And then finally, Philadelphia. I think Philly is going to be in contention for the first overall pick this year. Whew, it's rough. I mean, they they can hope that Sean Couturier is going to be able to come back, but he's it's been over a uh, uh, an entire season since he's been on the ice. I mean, it is asking a lot there. And while they do have some nice younger pieces there, you're a few years away from Mishkov being there. And ultimately, I don't think that Morgan Frost and the gang are going to be able to elevate this team to anything better than last in the division. All right. So mine's very similar to yours. I have New Jersey first as well. Uh, they were almost first last year and they have a full season of Timo Meyer. They have Tyler Toffoli now. Basically, all we need is their goaltending to hold up. And that's that's the main thing. Toffoli is uh, huge. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be able to score like crazy. They'll be one of the best scoring teams. Hughes, maybe he continues to get better. I think he will. And then there'll be two Hugheses there now, so that's huge. And frankly, like they they popped off. They yeah, I wouldn't say all their guys are. They first of all, they didn't even have all their their guys last year, prospect wise. So they just they really have an awesome outlook going forward. Goaltending is the only thing. I don't know where I heard that before, but it's uh, it can be a concern. So I feel you guys. Carolina second. Carolina is like they're the most complete team in the league. I think. But they just they really lack a pizzazz on one hand that makes them interesting to watch. On the other hand, they lack scoring punch. I don't know if it's scoring talent, finishing, whatever you want to call it, that really causes them problems in the playoffs. So they're still like, well, I mean, they're still great, but like, man, they just seem to get run over when they get to the conference final, which is hilarious to me. But yeah, when they lose in the playoffs, and this is five years in a row now, they lose. In only one of those years, you can really excuse away with both their goalies getting hurt. So Carolina, I, I could easily see them winning division, even winning the President's Trophy. Harder to see them winning the Stanley Cup for the reasons I laid out. Then you have the Rangers. Well, the Rangers are interesting because they are at a weird point where they kind of try to combine eras because they rebuilt when they still had good players in their team. And then they, in the middle of a rebuild, signed Artemi Panarin, who's good. And they still, you know, they, they I believe that, yeah, the rebuild happened in the midst of them having Jabanajad, who in his late 20s all of a sudden became an elite scorer. Chris Kreider was there the whole time. So they have this kind of old core that's going away, and they thought supplement it with the young guys. Well, Fox and Shesterkin, great. They'll be there forever. Other than that, I don't know. There's a lot of guys in the team. There's a certain 
first and second overall pick I can mention who really haven't impressed that much. And the Rangers generally, you would say their quote unquote analytics aren't good. I would just say they're not all that great at even strength. They Mm -hmm. have elite guys who are declining. Panarin clearly in decline. Kreider's never going to score 50 goals again. I mean, he only did it once, and I was usually that close to other times. Zabanajad, Zabanajad, he's not going to be like, he's not going to be like 80 or whatever point score forever. So their clock is kind of ticking on that. They brought in like Blake Wheeler, also old. The, the third time in like six months, they brought in a really old guy who's not as good anymore. A really old offense first guy. I'm sorry, do you say the third time in six months? Try like the 30th time in the past like 15 years. Yeah. Well, some of those guys were good. Yeah. I mean, the, the Kane Tarasenko Blake Wheeler one is a much sadder version of what their franchise history has been. But yeah, it's it's but their power plays good. Shesterkin's good. Adam Fox is I should say Shesterkin's elite. The power plays elite. Adam Fox is elite. Their depth is good enough that they to me are an obvious playoff team. And then there's Pittsburgh. I don't have them as a playoff team, as evidenced by the wild cards being the other division. Pittsburgh, I think Last year, you might say it's everything that could go wrong did. It's They didn't have Carlson. They're adding Carlson. They had an idiot GM. Now they have a good GM. And I hear all that. But last year, they got incredible, healthy seasons out of Sidney Crosby, age 35. Malkin, age 36. And Latang, age either 34 or 35. I forget. Do you really think that's going to happen again with all these guys being a year older? You should expect some decline from whatever whatever overall value those three guys provided. You should expect some decline there. Now, as far as Carlson goes, I like Carlson. Carlson will help them, but you're not adding prime Carlson. I know he just won the Norris, but the last season is one of the weirdest seasons from a defenseman I've ever seen. It's hard to know what to make of it, but come on, man. He had 100 points. You got to give him the Norris. I believe that. I don't know if he's going to walk in and do that. Like I said before, if he walks in and is in the 60s, that's great. I don't know what all of Pittsburgh problems, Pittsburgh's problems were last year. They were kind of a weird team outside of their big guys. But yeah, I think whatever whatever improvements you're expecting, you should also expect some regression. And goaltending-wise, I don't see things being that different. I mean, they re-signed Jari. So I kind of see that their outlook is basically the same. And I know that's probably not what any Pittsburgh fan wants to hear, but hey, you had a nice run. And hey, it might not be over. You're right there on the doorstep. I mean, you guys missed the playoffs barely at all last year. Like one or two games go different. Like they lost to, was it the Blackhawks near the end of the year? They lost two of the worst teams in the league near the end of the year to miss the playoffs. Yeah. So like you're, they're right there. Like I should say, they're right there with Buffalo. I, I think Tampa. And then this next team as well, kind of right there. I'm kind of, hmm, I have some thoughts on them. The Islanders. I think you're kind of right about them. Here's what I think about the Islanders last year. I see a team that was 23 in goal scored. Not a good finishing team. Not a dangerous offensive team, not dangerous in the power play. They have Barzell, who's a good, not great, and they added Bo Horvat, who's kind of the same. Like that's those are two fine guys to move forward with if you can if you're go moving forward in a rebuild. But obviously they're not. Their GM is 100 years old, and he wants to win one more cup before he retires. So they're pushing forward. They have a lot of lot of interesting contracts, not a lot of space. And I just look at the team last year like, hmm, you had a guy who played 62 games when the league average save percentage was 904, had a 925 save percentage. Think about that. He played three quarters of their games. He was in those three quarters of games. He was 21 points above league average. Hmm. If you're a decent team, a good team, whatever, you should have won the division. 
going away. Why didn't they? Because I think they're pretty bad. They're not quite the 90s saviors with Hashik, but they're almost in that neighborhood. Like, if you were fifth in goals allowed, despite the facts I just laid out, they're still fifth in goals allowed. They're not a good defensive team anymore. People still think that. Left over from the Barry Trotz era, that ship has sailed. That left with him. They're an average defensive team, a below average scoring team. They just happen to have, as Brennan said, someone who might be the best goalie in the world. Yep. And hey, more power to him. He's young. He'll be good again this year. But I think if he's anything less than last year, they're out. They're done. They're not in the playoffs. And I don't know how much Bo- a full season of Boat Horvat's going to help. I think that's pretty good. They'll, they'll be pretty good. They'll be much better than the next team, Washington. Talked enough about them. You guys get where I'm coming from with Washington. Too old, no depth. A lot of bad stuff. Maybe some prospects going forward. Philadelphia. I, like you, initially had Philadelphia last. And nothing Philadelphia did change my mind. Philadelphia was bad last year, and they got rid of Provorov and Kevin Hayes. I don't know how much those guys actually helped them last year, but I'm sure they're being replaced with young guys, not as good players. They're clearly trying to rebuild, so I think they'll be seventh. They have a coach who – I don't know how to put this without sounding like a (laughs) – like I'm some old guy. He's not a guy that's going to let them quit. He's going to be on people's asses. He's not the best coach in the world. He's clearly a competent coach. But the reason I moved them up is because of Columbus's situation. My thought was Columbus actually has decent talent. They tried to get better. Like you said, they got Fantilli. They, ha- I mean, Gaudreau should be better. But their defense and goaltending couldn't have possibly been worse than last year. And they were going to have Babcock, who again, as I don't like him as a guy, he seems like a terrible person, frankly. I thought... Hey, he does he does kind of make teams better. He's not a great coach, but I look at him as like the Anaheim coach when they weren't very talented in Toronto's first year when Toronto finished last overall, but like had much better results than you would think. They were a it's gonna sound stupid, a good last overall compared to most last overall teams recently. Uh I just I the fact that he got fired when he did and the situation got so weird and it happened so late in the summer and they just have to be like, Oh shit, who's around? You're the coach. That is that can't be good. And and now it got me thinking about how bad their team defense was last year. Literally, by some metrics, one of their best defensive forwards was Patrick Line. Yeah, they were terrible, and we saw that in the Tage Five goal game. But yeah, that that to me, it's just a mess there. I couldn't, in good conscience, not put them last after the. the I don't want to say summer, the September they had. No one ever has an interesting September in the NHL. So yikes, tough times there. But yeah. Those are the obvious bottom three for me. Uh, should I just do the central first? Do it up. All right, moving on to the West Western Conference, the bad conference. The central, I have Dallas winning the central. Dallas was really good last year. They were kind of right behind Colorado. They were, people might forget this. They were in game six of the conference final last year. They were pretty good. They're not the most thrilling team, but with Jason Robertson, they're pretty exciting. I think a thing that helped them out a lot, which was the reason that was holding them back, uh, after the Lindy Ruff years was all of a sudden Sagan was not the same guy and was hurt. Jamie Ben is not the same guy. They both declined young. And then, whoa, you know, those guys are both pretty good last year. And then it's like, well, they have Heiskanen, they have Robertson, Joe Fabelski, Pavelski still there. And why Johnson coming up and now Ottinger and that being an exciting young guy. I like that. I like a lot uh, what I'm seeing from them. Colorado, second. Colorado's great. We talked about Colorado kind of already. They they have some injuries. It worries me that Georgiev, I know you have a lot of faith in him, and they make goalies look good. 
I agree with that. But what if he's just like a 915 and they continue to have injuries and uh, Landis Gog definitely won't be there all year. That's that's a bad foot to start off on. That could be troublesome. That to me, all those things go wrong. They're still the second best team in the central. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. And Jesus, who is going to finish third in this division? Well, let me tell you, no one interesting. It's Minnesota. They're in their weird cap situation. I mean, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup last year, but now they're really, really up against it because of the kind of, I'm going to say on their behalf, bullshit ruling the NHL did uh, after the fact, after the team signed these long backloaded contracts, or front-loaded contracts, sorry. But the Sudaprize situation has screwed them over cap-wise. They can't really put much talent around Kirill Kaprizov, but they were a pretty good team last year, and they shouldn't be that much worse. So I'm expecting in the high 90s, much worse than the top two teams in the division. After that, Jesus, I don't even know where to go. <laughs> Nashville, sure. I have them as a non-playoff team. I guess you'll see that I have two wildcard teams in the Pacific. Nashville, uh, super uninspiring, great goalie, super declining team, seemed to be in rebuild mode, but then as Brendan mentioned, also for some reason started adding guys like Ryan O'Reilly. So they're kind of in a weird in-between space. They, I mean, the fact that they could even be fourth in a division is insane to me, but I think that's probably the case because fifth, I have St. Louis rapidly declining. They paid a goaltender who's pretty bad and kind of a raging jackass, but they, they do have, as you mentioned, Cairo and Thomas are interesting. Not a lot else. I think their new, they say their new captain is Shen. Yep. So that's something. I don't know with, with them. They, they seem to be in decline, getting ready to rebuild, but. I had to have Winnipeg below them because I, although I love Connor Hellebuck, I put them below. I put him below based on the idea that he would be traded during this season. If he's not traded, I I would pretty much move them up right up into Minnesota spot. The fact that he probably will be traded makes me think they're going to be pretty bad. I don't know when that's going to happen, but my assumption is it'll happen sometime during the season. Arizona next. Arizona, hey, if Winnipeg trades Hellebuck early in the season, Arizona can get ahead of them. Seriously. Winnipeg, and because Shifley is also allegedly on the block. If those guys are gone, forget it. Winnipeg is going to drop like a rock. So Arizona, exciting things to look forward to in their 2,500-seat arena. Like All the guys you mentioned, like they have, they do have a lot of good prospects. They had you a ton of Gally, too, that kid who yeah. uh, was the rookie last year who was great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That just... Incredible. They're going to have a lot of fun. People are already excited about Logan Cooley. So I have them seventh, but things are getting better. Chicago has the best rookie since Connor McDavid. They have Taylor Hall and uh, a whole bunch of other guys who are pulling down an NHL check. So good wow, for them. Taylor, that's Andreas Athanasu erasure right there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So that's something. He's in the NHL still, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, good for them. That I have him or I have them last. I just feel like uh, between like goaltending and defense and the second through fourth lines, they just you know they tank. We saw a team that tanked seriously tanked and then tried to get out of it. The Sabers did not have a Bedard, mm-hmm. but the Blackhawks don't have a Ryan O'Reilly, a Vander Kane, Sam Reinhart triumvirate. You know, like maybe you could say Taylor Hall is like. What O'Reilly was, I don't know. But, like, they don't have as many guys. The Sabres, you know, the whole speeding up the rebuild thing, whatever the people say. They had guys ready to go, and they were still – they had decent goaltending, too. They had Robin Leonard 
and Chad Johnson were actually okay that year, and they had 81 points. And they, I think yeah. they were pretty lucky to be there. So I think the Blackhawks are more like a 70-point team if things go well. That is definitely fair. We are not not too different. We're definitely different at the top, though, because I have Colorado winning the division, but then I have Dallas finishing second. Uh, you outlined we, – we kind of talked about both these teams already a bit, but I just think Colorado, I, I liked their offseason. I think they made a lot of savvy moves to really round out the depth on the roster, especially among the forward group in the form of Ross Colton. I think Miles Wood is going to fit really well there. Ryan Johansson, I think, is poised to, to have a nice year with that team, especially if he ends up getting time on the first power play unit. And, again, their defense, it goes without saying, they have a very, very special group on D there. Dallas, the Matthew Shane trade or uh, signing, I think, will probably end up being maybe the signing of the offseason for the value that they got with him and how he's going to fit into the mix there in Dallas. Again, I believe in Ottinger, Robertson, Heiskanen, Hints. Like they have a, a really good young core there that I think has them set up to be good. And I think that this division in particular, Colorado and Dallas, it, those two are going to be interchangeable for the foreseeable future. I also have Minnesota third. I think that they found uh, found gold a little bit with, with Gustafson last year. And Nat, I think that that ended up really stabilizing them and helping them out in a, a pretty incredible way, just when you consider how how rock solid he was. And, and that doesn't even you know speak to the fact that coming up through the ranks, they still have Jesper Wallstedt, who is maybe the best goalie outside of the NHL right now, or at least in the top three, I would say. So I feel pretty good about Minnesota being able to make a playoff run. You have Kaprizov leading the way along with some other good pieces. They have a pretty good defense there on the back end as well. So I like Minnesota in that third spot. I then have Nashville. Same things that you mentioned there. I think that they they feel like Detroit-esque kind of in a way where it's like you're wondering what they're doing in the off seasons. And this was especially one where I just – it was very puzzling, but at the end of the day, you still have UC Saros, so I think everything will probably be at least okay for them, and they're just going to be like this middling team, seven and nine bills, seven and nine bills vibes, if you will. Then, Winnipeg, I have Winnipeg over St. Louis solely because of the fact that I think there is a chance that it just depends on when these trades happen. Like, when is the Halley Buck deal going to go down? When is the is, is the Shifley move going to go down? I think that's really going to be the determining, the determining factor here. But as we're seeing now, they at least are going to be here to start the year. And Winnipeg, the rest of their lineup, they're, they're no slouches. Like, yes, they did lose PLD, but you still have Kyle Connor. You still have Nick Ellers. You brought in Gabe Velarde, who showed some really positive signs last year for LA. Your, your defense is still, you know, it is what it is, but... I just think there's still enough talent there that Winnipeg will ultimately be another middling, like 500 esque kind of team. St. Louis talked about them. We know what it is. They're in this weird in between stage. You have the young guys that like we talked about in Shen and Cairo, but then you also have some of the older vets in the form of Shen and Brandon Saad. I'm forgetting a couple others off the top of my head here, but ultimately Jordan Bennington, I just do not trust. I think that he could be a, a fine goalie, like, okay, but if he's not that, he is like catastrophically bad. So not really a lot of belief in St. Louis, but we'll end up seeing what happens there. 
Arizona, I have next. I still like I, I like the vibes in Arizona. I think that they're going to be set up to eventually again making a run up the standings here in the coming years. Similar to the team that is last, and that is Chicago. So the Blackhawks, like you said, Taylor, there really isn't the supporting cast that like the Sabres had, for example. However, I will give them some credit that they have had some pretty good pickups in these last couple of drafts. Not only did they get Connor Bedard this year, but they also ended up getting Oliver Moore, who I think is going to end up being a solid NHLer. And last year, they ended up taking Kevin Korshinsky, seventh overall, a move at the time that I think people thought that they maybe reached a little bit, but I think that there is some potential there for him to end up being a, a, a really solid second pairing defenseman who can quarterback your first power play unit potentially there. And there's value to that, even if it is a little bit high. In addition, they have Frank Nazar too, who they took 13th overall. He was a guy that I was hoping was going to fall to the Sabres with the Vegas pick last year. Obviously didn't happen, but hell of a skater, really, really fast. I don't think he's going to make the team this year. That's not the plan, I should say. But he's somebody that when he uh, ends up making the jump could end up being a, a pretty, pretty solid player at the NHL level. Last but not least, Taylor, we have the Pacific Division. Shall I run through mine? Yes. The Cup champs, they're going to win the division. I got Vegas finishing first there. They're running back a lot of the team. They ended up bringing back Aiden Hill. You're going to get Logan Thompson back too, so you have a really strong goalie tandem there off the top. You still have Mark Stone and Jack Eichel and all of the guys that really helped lead you on that run last year. Jonathan Marshall, show, I know he was out of his mind during that playoff run, but he's still there. You know, you still have Wild Bill. There's still, you know, the the depth throughout the lineup. And on defense, Petra Angelo and, and Shea Theodore, I think, are a, a great starting point for that team. So I'm going to run it back again with Vegas. Second, I'm going with Los Angeles. I love the Kings forward group. I know that I have made it clear that I'm a big PLD guy. I think getting Pierre-Luc Dubois, even though they did end up giving a, a pretty sizable amount for him, I still really like the move there. In addition to that, you have Quinton Byfield, who I think is going to hopefully take a step for them this year. He really hasn't panned out in the way that I think that anybody who is a Kings fan or a fan of his would have hoped, but I still think that there's just so many tools there. The, the skating combined with the size and the skill, I think that he ends up getting further down the path of putting it all together. You have Philip Deneau, who is just an unbelievably solid two-way guy. You obviously have Adrian Kempe, who we were talking about before, who has become a, a regular 40-goal scorer for that team. Then that all, all those guys, without even getting into the fact that you still have Anze Kopitar there as well. Trevor Moore, another good depth scorer there, a guy who's really good on the middle in the middle six on the wing for them. On defense, there's some quite, oh yeah, and I didn't even, Jesus Christ, again, with this Kings four group, Kevin Fiala, like they, Victor Arvidsson, come on here. Like this is, this is very good. And then also too, does Arthur Kylev, is he able to take a step and turn into a productive pure goal scorer, even though he has his deficiencies in his own zone? Uh, on defense, Brent Clark, I, I like him a lot. And I think that he has the ability to grow into a really solid top four, maybe even top pairing offensive defenseman for this team. They brought back Gavrikov, which I think was a bit of a surprise. I was under the impression that that was maybe going to be a rental, but they end up retaining him. And we know that he's a really solid two-way guy for them. Mikey Anderson, they have back there on D2. So they, they're rock solid. It really is just going to come down to goaltending. You are going to be relying on some combination of Phoenix Copley, David Riddish, and Cam Talbot, which is it's not great, but we talked about it before. If that team makes the move for Connor Hallibuck, if the Kings are the ones to do it, 
I think that they very well could win the West potentially. Moving on after that, no surprise. I have Edmonton then coming in third. Not much else that you need to say aside from the fact that they have McDavid and Drysdale, and they will be able to will that team into relevance and into a playoff spot for that matter too. Fourth, I have Seattle. Great story last year with them being able to crack the playoffs. I think that they are in a good position, just that they are not only running back much of the team from last year, but also you're going to be expecting Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright to take big steps this year. So I like Seattle a lot. I like what they're doing there. They got a good young core developing. Vince Dunn has really came into his own there after kind of being in uh, the shadow of many of the rock solid St. Louis, former St. Louis blues defensemen. And now he's able to kind of step into his own there. After that, I have Calgary, no playoffs for Calgary this year, in my opinion. I just, I think that while I do expect Huberto and Kadri to bounce back, I still just, I'm not very inspired by much else in the lineup. I think that Markstrom, while he's proven when he's on, he's a great goalie. There's a lot of inconsistency there. And yeah, I mean, what is Calgary doing here? Like, I, I just feel like they're taking this approach of wanting to compete when in reality, they're a team that I think is maybe compared to a lot of other teams in this league, really well positioned to be able to sell off some pieces here and get some value back in return for some of these high end guys that they have. But we'll see if it ends up working out. I then have Vancouver. I feel like every year I look at Vancouver's roster and I know that there's not a ton of depth there, but there's a lot of talent there though. And it kind of just, it's frustrating a bit that they haven't been able to, I think, take a step because I think that there's enough talent there for them to at least be in the playoff conversation. I I wanted to put them ahead of Calgary, but I made the mistake of trusting Vancouver too much last year. So I'm not making the same mistake twice. After that, I have Anaheim youth, a lot of growth to be had there. I think that they have probably two more years of really struggling before you start to see them climb the standings a bit, but I like what they have there. Leo Carlson, I think is going to be a legit first line center for them. And, you know, you have McTavish there. We'll see what ends up happening in the Zegra situation, but you have another good top six winger in Troy Terry. There's Drysdale. And if he's able to really step into his own and be able to, to take off, uh, in a way that I think fans want him to, uh, that he just hasn't quite yet. I think that, you know, th- there's the makings there for a good team and-, and they have some really good youth depth pieces over these past few drafts that they've been able to add to their system there. So I think down the line, Anaheim's a team that will be on the up and up, but I think they got a couple years still. And the same could be said for San Jose. Good for them getting Will Smith in the draft this year, but San Jose is a team that they're a few years off. And they would have been, I think, the perfect team to take uh, Mishkov in the draft last year, just given that there's going to be a few years before he gets here, because there's going to be a few years before San Jose is going to end up making any kind of noise or doing anything. I I just think that they're pretty far off. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Eklund is going to, you know, fare this year in the NHL level, if he's going to be able to take a step and really assert himself as an every night productive NHL player, because he hasn't quite yet after he had a lot of draft hype uh, coming up, like leading up to and out of the draft. Uh, and then also that you got to think that as things continue to go south there, that the other pieces are just going to get sold off. Like Logan Couture, his days have got to be numbered there. Tomas Hurdle. I mean, 
what are we doing here, San Jose? Like it just, it, you're not in a window at all here. So you'd have to think that those guys maybe are on their way out too, but that is my Pacific division predictions. All right. This isn't that dissimilar. I wouldn't say start with Vegas. That's obvious. Uh, most of the guys are back besides like Riley Smith, Logan Thompson's back. That's, that'll be great for them. I assume they just be like 105 to 110 point team. They, uh, they have a great coach and they, Really, they have a great player acquisition system, however they make it happen. So even if they're deficiencies, I kind of trust them to fill it in. Even if they really did do the uh, post-Stanley Cup, we got to pay these guys uh, a little bit more than they're worth thing with Auden Hill and Ivan Barbashev. But yeah, they, they should probably win the division. Number two, Edmonton, pretty much the same team besides like Kyler Yamamoto. So they should be pretty similar. I guess the big question mark is Skinner is good again this year. The power play will slow down. How do they make up for it? Three, I have LA, but this one could definitely be higher if they make a move for a certain goalie who plays in Saskatchewan. Is that the right province? Did I screw up that province? Yeah, it's Manitoba, isn't it? Manitoba. Playing Saskatchewan. I don't know my Canadian geography. Jesus, no one plays in Saskatchewan. Saskatoon. What an idiot. Anyway, yeah, Connor Hellebuck. If they get Hellebuck, I think they could even challenge for the division. I think they'll definitely be ahead of Edmonton. Fourth, I talked about this earlier. I have Calgary fourth. I mean, they were fifth last year, and they were barely behind Seattle. I just am trusting in a little bit of a bounce back from Markstrom, Huberto, and Kadri, and the idea that they are not interested in rebuilding and that they like Ryan Huska more than they like Daryl Sutter. That's Basically, it. that should be enough to get him to like 96 points. After that, the second wild card, Seattle. Seattle was weird last year because they just their goaltending was pretty bad. Their goal prevention is good. Their offense was just super lucky the first half of the season. That sounds bad, but basically they were just shooting at an unsustainably high percentage team-wise. And it wasn't like one or two guys. It was just team-wide just way more goals than expected. And it's not because they're such great finishers because that shit stopped in the second half of the year. They were at one point, like nearer the first half of the season. I think they were first in the West at one point at the very least, they were first in the Pacific and they barely held on to make a playoffs, even with a strong end of the season. Uh, so I, on the other hand, they continue to get better. They make good additions, solid additions. And you know, like their young guys will be better. Like Shane, Wright. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but that should be something. Berniers, he was good last year. Those guys will get better, and because of that, they'll still be in the mix, even without that kind of unsustainable first half that they had last year. And overall, you know, pretty lucky shooting season when you look at it, 82 games. Next, Vancouver. Oof, I don't know, guys. Figure something out. You have Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson. Uh, if Thatcher Demko's better, they should be solid. If he's the same... They're pretty uh, screwed. Next, I have Anaheim, who's a mess. But they're rolling with John Gibson, who I don't trust. They're not paying Trevor Zegers for some reason. They they just are they're operating in a very strange way. They just signed Alex Kalorn to this huge deal. So I I think they're they're in a really weird spot. Uh, but they will keep getting. They're going to keep racking up high picks, and that'll be good for them. I mean, eventually that has to work. And then last, and my pick for last place overall is the San Jose Sharks. For most of the reasons Brennan laid out, it's basically the team from last year minus Meyer minus Carlson. 
Yeesh. Check in in a couple of years, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see uh, San Jose in 2027. Yeah. Stanley Cup pick. Dallas, New Jersey. I'm Dallas, not picking New a Jersey. Winner. Yeah, that's my prediction. 2000. We're running back the year 2000, folks. Limp gets back. We're wearing gigantic pants. Uh, I'm seven. So that's, yeah, we're going to try to get some 2000 vibes back. Yeah. And if you are listening to this in two weeks after we recorded it, just tell me, tell us on Twitter or Instagram comments, what 2000 trend do you like back? Not 2000s, 2000, year 2000. You got to pick something from that year you want to bring back. I will remember this. I will not be getting super confusing Twitter notifications in two weeks when I'm out of the country. Anyway, do it, folks. Please let us know. I'm dying to know. Brandon, what's your pick? Oh, this is tough, man. Because like I said before, I think if LA makes the move for Halle Buck, I have them coming out of the West. But I do think it is going to come down to Colorado and Dallas, but I'm I'm going to go with Colorado. I, I liked what they did this offseason. I think if you get a full season of Cal McCarr and McKinnon there, it's hard for me to bet against them. And who knows, then that opens them up for the possibility of making a move at the deadline. They've shown they're a team that's not afraid to go out and acquire talent in season. So it does make me wonder, but I, I like Dallas, I, I liked what they did too. And I'm a fan of, of that core, like a big fan, but I want to go, I'm going to lean Colorado. <sighs> it's tough too, because I feel like in the East, like it's the trendy thing to pick New Jersey and I want to pick New Jersey. So that's why I, it's this tough balance, but I think I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go New Jersey, Colorado. So we're really going nineties, two thousands with, uh, with the picks. Yeah, that is 2001. Bam. I don't want to bring back anything from 2001. So just 2000 stuff, folks, please. Or early aughts. We'll call it early aughts. No nineties, nothing after like 2004. That's it. Anyway, folks, uh, this is me the last time I'm recording for like two weeks, but you're going to hear me this whole time. I'm gone pretty much, but <laughs> hope you enjoy Brendan and a special guest for the season opener. And then, you know, next time I'm here, next time you hear my voice, the Sabres will have played a real NHL hockey game and God willing, the Yankee season will be over and the bills will know a lot more about them. So the future truly is unknowable. That Monday episode is going to go crazy. I cannot wait. Yeah. Well, it will technically be a week from today of when this is dropping. Yes. Uh, you know, be good while I'm gone or whatever. Be nice to Brendan. Uh, and the Please. other the other guest hosts that are going to leave a note. So you better be good. Mm-hmm. Well said, Taylor. Well said. Well, we should probably get in the habit of this because we have not yet. But who is your random former Sabres player of the episode? It's... Uh... Wow, what would be a good answer here? It's Ilya Labushkin. Thanks for picking a fun goal song, Ilya. Oh, we love that. All right, I will go with a, a polar opposite one. I'll go with Dave Anderchuk. So that's uh, that is very different. Very, very different. Yes. But everybody, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out all of the fellow podcasts across both of our networks, that being the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're following them on social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find us straight up Sabres. 
In addition, before you close out of this app, whether you are listening to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be, make sure you are following or subscribe to Straight Up Sabres. And in addition to that, leave us a nice little rating or review as we'd very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors, folks. That would be DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals at checkout. And Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're picking up your favorite Thin Man beers at wherever you pick up your booze. You will not regret it. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday with our special guest that we'll be announcing soon. But in the meantime, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Say- Oh